Welcome to Ask a Bible Teacher with Pastor Mark Fontecchio, a broadcast ministry of Return to the Word and made possible by faithful supporters like you. Find out more at returntotheword.com. Welcome back to Ask a Bible Teacher on Return to the Word. We believe the Word of God has the answers to your questions, and we want to help you find them. Now, the question we're going to tackle in this episode is all about 1 John 1, 9, confession and rewards. So here's the question that came in, and it's really more than one. Does 1 John 1, 9 lead us as believers to be in a constant state of confession? If we fail to confess our sins, how does this interact with our future rewards in heaven? Can our failure to confess our sins negate our future rewards? Well, there's several excellent questions wrapped up and entangled here. So let's briefly take the time to examine each doctrine separately, and then the pieces will come together and provide us clarity on all of these subjects. First John. A survey of the epistle reveals quickly that First John is written to believers, not as a test of whether individuals are truly in the faith. Now, this becomes self-evident, obvious in the text itself. Chapter 3 teaches, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. And that's 1 John 3.1. Again, we read in the very next verse, Beloved, now we are children of God, 1 John 3.2. We also see this same teaching in chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. John actually made it perfectly clear that he thought of his audience as Christians and his purpose, it wasn't to convert them. A very necessary section of text to evaluate is found in chapter 1. The Apostle John wrote, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. That's 1 John 1, verses 3 through 4. Without a proper understanding of these two verses, you're not going to correctly understand or interpret 1 John. It is here that we actually learn that the theme and the purpose of 1 John is fellowship with God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, this should be the goal of every believer in Jesus Christ. Joy comes from fellowship with God. So once we understand the purpose of 1 John, we begin to see that the Apostle John, he gave many, many examples of how we as believers may know that we are living in fellowship with God. We see right away in 1 John 1 verses 6 through 7 that walking in fellowship with God means we walk in the light. Verse 5 had already taught that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So having fellowship with God is walking with God. Let's take a look at 1 John 1, verses 8 and 9. This takes us directly to the text in question. These two verses should be considered together. Don't just look at one or the other. Look at both. Verse 8 presents the deception that can come in the life of a believer when we deny the reality of our sin. It is an astute observation to note that our sin surpasses the guilt that we are actually conscious of. It is a somber reality that we can deceive ourselves and attempt to cover over our sin. Proverbs 28:13 warns, "He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy." To say that we have no sin is to state the opposite. 
of the truth of God's Word. At that point, as believers, His truth is not guiding our lives. Verse 9 brings the other side of verse 8 and brings a number of points to consider. The picture given is of a believer living in fellowship with Christ. Now, this fact cannot be overstated in its importance of grasping the intended meaning. When a believer is walking with Christ, they're sensitive to God showing them their sin. And when this takes place, the believer is instructed to confess these sins to God. It should be recognized that the Apostle John never used the term repentance in this epistle. We can tell from his consistent word usage that he viewed Christian repentance as taking place when dealing with habitual sin. And we see this in Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3. In other words, 1 John is not dealing with a believer living in rebellion to the Lord. The teaching is actually quite the opposite. John is referring to believers living in fellowship with the Lord and God reveals their sin to them. And when this takes place, the Christian is then confronted with a choice. If a believer confesses his sin, which is admitting or acknowledging our sin to God, fellowship with God continues. John instructs, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Failure to acknowledge the sin that the Lord brings to our attention takes us out of fellowship with him. But our redemption continues to be secure even though we are not abiding in Christ. It is also worth noting that verse 9 could be correctly translated to forgive us the sins instead of to forgive us our sins. Now, this seems to be a specific reference to forgiveness for the sins confessed by the believer in Christ. But even the sins we're not conscious of are covered because God will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Fellowship with God is not broken if the sins which we are aware of are confessed. These are the sins that are brought to our attention as we live in fellowship with Christ. Remember, the instruction is not to worry over sins that we're not even aware of. So what about rewards? Well, scattered throughout the New Testament is a number of references that teach about the judgment seat of Christ. Paul stated, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and that's Romans 14.10. After the rapture, church-age believers will give an account of how they use their time, their spiritual gifts, their abilities, and their resources to serve Christ. There will be rewards given and a loss of rewards, and I would encourage you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Thankfully, we can rest on the promise that when the Lord comes, he will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Keep in mind that this is only for believers in the church age and has nothing to do with determining our salvation. Our eternal destiny is determined once and for all the minute we place our faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God who died and rose again to pay one's personal penalty for sin and the one who gives eternal life to all who trust him and him alone for it. The sins of the believer in Christ have been forgiven by the work of Christ on the cross and Christians are not being judged for them at the judgment seat of Christ. Rewards and fellowship with God. When believers are living in submission to the Spirit of God, their lives are governed by God and produce the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5 and Ephesians 5. Works done 
in obedience to the Spirit of God will lead to future rewards. Even these rewards will be a testimony of the grace of God and His love. It is certainly true that continued sin in the life of a Christian does lead to a loss of fellowship with God. Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4. And when this happens, our motives and our focus, it changes. We begin to live for ourselves rather than Christ. Under our own efforts, we cannot live for Christ. Again, Paul spoke to this. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Galatians 3.3. The end result will be the works of the flesh. Galatians 5. Consider just a simple little illustration. Suppose that I'm at the store and I grow impatient because of the long line at the checkout. The cashier continues to make a number of mistakes, adding to the frustrations of everyone in that line. And in my heart, I judge the cashier. Once I finally clear the checkout line, the Spirit of God convicts me of my attitude and I utter a short prayer acknowledging my sinful thoughts. Even though I sin, I now continue to abide in Christ. On my way out of the store, I'm approached by a man seeking directions to another location. After a few moments of conversation, I have the opportunity to lead the man to faith in Christ. Because of the confession of my sin to God, my actions in sharing the gospel of Christ are done according to the Spirit. Surely, this is among the type of works that Christ will reward. 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 19 and 20. Two important points from the teaching of 1 John 1, 9 are brought to the forefront with this simple illustration. First, confession deals with the sin that God brings to mind. Second, confession allows us to remain in fellowship with God. Christ is encouraging us to live moment by moment in an intimate relationship with Him. We join the Apostle Paul in making it our aim to take every thought captive for Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Biblically speaking, to be filled with the Spirit is to be controlled or governed by the Spirit of God. And again, that's Ephesians 5.18. When believers are living according to the Spirit, our motivations honor God, which will bring rewards at the judgment seat of Christ for serving Him. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you have a Bible question we can help you answer, come visit us at returntotheword.com. Return to the Word is a faith ministry. This means we freely distribute the teaching of the Word of God over the air and online. We do this without charge. If you feel led to support the ministry with a donation to help cover these costs, you may do so on our website, returntotheword.com, or by mailing a donation to Return to the Word, P.O. Box 879-259, Wasilla, Alaska, 99687. Thanks for listening, and we pray that the Word of God will be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path.